0: Welcome to part two of our conversation with Nancy. She is a speech and language pathologist with the Durham District School Board. If you haven't had a chance to listen to part one, I would suggest that you go back and listen to that one first and then come back to this learning and continue the conversation that we had the opportunity to have with her. And we were so thankful that she came in to speak with us because she has such a great amount of knowledge about oral language in our youngest learners. So we're going to just jump right back in to our conversation with Nancy.
1: So um, Amanda and Diane, there's a section, uh, ta- an actual chapter in Oral Language at Your Fingertips. It's Chapter Six called Text Structure, and I love text structure because it's connected to storytelling and narratives. Mm-hmm. And we know that in in um, education, we especially early on, we're having um, children exposed to narratives, descriptive structures and sequential structures and they need to know how those things are put together but before we can unpack it in the reading and the writing area they have to be able to do it um, expressively. So a lot of times I like to listen to children's storytelling and then also their retelling to um, sort of get a handle on how they sequence ideas. Do they have a beginning, a middle, and an end? Do they include details? What kind of vocabulary are they using when they tell their stories? And for me, one of the key pieces is how do they connect their ideas? We know that connection words are really important um, in terms of telling stories. So. I know that another speech language pathologist is going to talk to you more about um, storytelling, but I think it's important to um, spend a little time talking about personal stories and having children. Have opportunities to tell personal stories so that you get a sense of the organization and the mm-hmm. content of their their stories. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I notice in classrooms when children have been out playing and they come in and they're crying and they can't really, I know there's emotion involved, but they can't tell you really what happened mm-hmm. because they don't have those narrative skills, those story sequencing skills, that they can't identify the problem and and certainly not the solution at that point yes. um, but, but um, storytelling and personal narrative and then retelling um, stories that they've heard are really important pieces to growing oral language
0: mm-hmm. and such an important way to communicate with the people around them and grow their social abilities if they're not able to tell people stories and make that connection with people then they're not going to have those social skills also embedded and when they're having those conversations.
1: Right. And you can see how understanding tech, uh, story structure, like what uh, first in, in the middle and at the end, and then the sequencing and the ideas and, and talking about the problem and the solution, you can see how that really is going to impact the written language later. Mm-hmm. So we want to start and make sure it's strong orally.
2: So we want to talk about things like what happened at the beginning of the book, and what happened in the middle of the book, and what happened at the end of the book. You could even uh, take that into your day. So when we arrived this morning, that was the beginning of our day. The middle of our day is lunchtime, the end of our day at school.
1: And sometimes children need to see pictures to help them Mm organize that, so this happened at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But using those words, and when you think about Mm -hmm. those words, they are math words, aren't they? Mathematical words. Mm And so what happened first, um, that's at the very beginning. So Mm -hmm. connecting first and beginning will be Mm -hmm. important. And what are some details? Understanding what are details, what are story details? Um, And then we're going to move into the questions and I think that later on we're gonna talk more specifically about um, asking um, WH questions and then asking big questions. So um, we look forward to, to going deeper into this area, but it is uh, certainly the way a child tells you a story is really important in how we can help them grow their oral language.
2: Okay, so Nancy, um, a lot of the PH words, Phenomic Awareness, Phonological, Phenome, could you break those open for us and and let's talk about why uh, they're important. I know it's a huge question, but let's plug through it piece at a time. All
1: right. I'm excited to do that with you. (laughs) So phonological awareness is a chapter number one in oral language at your fingertips. It's chapter three. So I'm going to use that as a reference as we're talking about that. So phonological awareness um, is the only oral language strand that supports children's reading, or actually their decoding. Okay. So let's just talk about what it is. Um, sometimes when I'm talking with educators, I say phonological awareness is hear say skills, where phonics is see say. So let's unpack that. Okay. So when I see a letter, and I know that that um, F, a letter F, mm-hmm. says that's phonics. I see it. And I put a sound to it. So I'm, I'm matching a sound to a letter. See, say. That I comes, see it, I say, I say it. it. You got it. Got it. Phonological awareness, it's a whole series of skills. Okay. And, but in essence, they're all hearsay skills. No print is involved. I hear something, so I say the word dog. I hear duh at the beginning. I hear g at the end. So this is a phonological awareness skill. I hear it. So I'm starting to talk about phonological awareness as hearsays. We, all, we are all in our speech and language department talking about phonological awareness as hearsay skills and phonics as see right. Now they need to get partnered up in order for a child to be a really effective decoder. Mm-hmm. But often children come in without a lot of hearsay skills.
2: And this goes back to everything else we were talking about
1: previously. Right on, right on. There's some children who don't have any difficulties in this area, but there are a group of children. And you know, one of the things we talked about, all of the children that really need intentional focus on or a language, Sometimes, in some schools, that makes up one-third to one-half of the children in your classroom so that need some extra and explicit direction in this area. So it's w- well worth our time to investigate this. So let's go to the hearsay skills, the phonological awareness. Mm-hmm. We have really shallow skills that deal at the syllable level. So those are breaking syllables. Um, breaking words up into syllables and putting syllables together to make a word. And then we have deep skills at the sound level. Okay. So it's really phoneme, which is the same as the word sound. A phoneme is a sound. Mm -hmm. So it's phoneme awareness that's the predictor of academic success. So a child in kindergarten Mm -hmm. that has Phoneme awareness. Awareness that words are made up of sounds. That's a predictor of academic success. But we have a wide range of skills under phonological awareness with phoneme awareness being the uh, most sophisticated sil- skill. So if we go back to the word dog, does that then mean the child can say d-o-g? At, at phoneme awareness, yes. at the skill that we're really aiming for, mm-hmm then they are hearing all of the sounds in that word, we call that phoneme awareness, and they're being able to hear all those sounds. So
0: the beginning, the middle, and the ending sounds. Right.
1: So what we know from research um, is that blending and segmenting are the two types of activities that um, are best used to help children with this skill of phoneme awareness. So when we talk about that big umbrella of Mm -hmm. phonological awareness, we have all kinds of activities in there. We have children understanding that um, a sentence is made up of words. We have um, children understanding um, that uh, are hearing rhyme and being able to identify rhyme. But what we want to pull out from all those phonological awareness activities, we want to pull out the segmenting and the blending. Um, And that's important because when we blend, it really relates to reading. And when we segment, it relates to our writing.
2: Super. So can you give us examples of those?
1: I can. So if I gave you a word, Diane, and I said to you, um, read this word you would start to approach the word by looking at it because Mm -hmm. at this stage, you are now blending your say with your Mm -hmm. hearsay. But you're gonna start looking at that that word and you're going to start saying, what sound is that? What's Mm. the next sound? What's the next sound? And then you're gonna put it all together, that's your blending, in order to actually read that word. When I say to you, Diane, could you write um a word and i give you a word to write let's say you didn't know the word under and i ask you to write Mm -hmm. under you're going to start uh uh, uh, you're starting to segment Segment it it. in order to put it on paper now that segmenting then has to partner with what you know of phonics and how do you represent that uh? But the part that I wanted to um, emphasize is that when we blend sounds together or syllables together, we're supporting our reading. When we segment segmented um, sounds and syllables, we're supporting our writing. Yes. So let's put a pin in that and go back to the beginning and look at what does this look like developmentally for a child. Love that. Phonological awareness skills progress over time. And we're very, very fortunate in Durham District School Board to have a hierarchy of phonological awareness skills included in our faces on the data um, for kindergarten students. So you'll see at the top of this hierarchy that sentence segmentation happens first. Um, Sentence segmentation is challenging for some students because they're having to understand in a spoken sentence how many words. So if I said Mm -hmm. to you, I like pizza, there are three words in that sentence and children have to be able to identify that they heard three words in that sentence to really understand sentence segmentation. So it's a skill that we need to continue to work on um, over time, especially with our early learners, because it's important for writing, as you can see, and for reading. Um, But i like to move on to the next skill and look at syllable segmentation. Um, That would be when you break syllables down into parts. So if I said, can you clap? Or tap the parts or syllables in the word elephant, what would you do for me? Elephant. Right on. So you broke that down. You segmented all the syllables. So when we ask children, we sometimes start with their name. Can they mm-hmm. and I, I like to Um, Use the word parts and then equate parts to syllables so Mm -hmm. that they can start hearing that word And I think it's easy when we ask children to clap the syllables in their name Mm -hmm. And that's a skill that we would expect first-year kindergarten students to be able to do Um, so segment syllables as Words get longer. They're more challenging. So Mm -hmm. the two syllable words like pillow and teacher Um, are easier for students, and sometimes when we have banana and elephant, we'll hear things like banana and just clapping. Mm -hmm. So it's that idea of helping children understand, without seeing the print, that words are made up of parts.
2: Can I ask you a question right there, though, Nancy? So do I want to correct a
1: child if a child says elephant, do I
2: want to then say
1: elephant? I always think that I want to say, let's do that together, and whether we do hand over hand or we slow the word down, mm-hmm. foot," or I do it with them, and I like to get them to practice mm-hmm. that um, so that they can hear it correctly because I don't want to give them uh, feedback mm-hmm. that they're correct when they just keep clapping without matching the syllable because that gives me information that they don't really understand that skill.
0: Awesome. Amazing. Yeah. And I think that's something that can be easily embedded throughout the day too. So you can be clapping out syllables whenever you're doing any kind of activity or reading any book.
1: I think that absolutely selecting a word, um, you can do it while you're giving directions to line up. You can um, do it in all kinds of different contexts. So, And that's another thing the speech-language pathologist can help you with um, if you're running into some problems thinking about how do I, how do, I do this with um, students in my classroom. Um, right Following that, are syllable blending. So I think this is the, the step that sometimes gets missed. Um, this is when we say, we're going to read a story about an uh, elephant. What do you think our story is going to be about? So we're asking children to hold those parts Mm -hmm. in their short-term memory and then put it together. Mm -hmm. So that's the next part. So they can break it apart, but now can they put that syllable together? So that's an important piece. Um, I've seen educators do that with a grab bag, where they put Mm -hmm. materials in a grab bag, and children reach uh, or you know the educator reach in and says I found a um, and then they sound out or they they um, segment segment the syllables thank you um, of that word so that then the children can put it together
0: I even think about when we're headed upstairs and I go we are going to the library where are we going and so you can again easily embed that throughout the routines of your day also
1: right on right on Um, The next skill that children acquire developmentally um, is now a blending skill, so uh, we talked about the two different skills, segmenting and blending, but now we're going back to blending, and it's called onset and rhyme, and sometimes that's very confusing. Really what that means is the first part of the word and then the rest of the word. So if I said to you the word cat, if I said cat, the first part of the word is k. And the rest of the word is "at, mm-hmm. at. And so we want to move from blending syllables to blending onset and rhyme, because we're getting a little more discreet now, aren't we? We've, we've moved one area of that word to the sound level. So um, it goes to the individual sound level. So it's a little more challenging for children. So sometimes we can see children who can blend syllables, but they can't blend first sound and the rest of the Mm -hmm. word. Mm. So that's the next um, skill that we want to address um, with children. And again, these strategies, if you're unsure how to do them, you can get support um, for these strategies um, from your speech-language pathologist. Um, and then as you move on, it, it's segmenting onset and rhyme. So you're asking the child, can you tell me the first sound you hear in the word cat and the rest of the word? So sometimes, because of the way we um, teach in classrooms, children can identify initial sounds, but then they can't break that other part off. They can't mm-hmm. break the rest of the word off. Mm-hmm. So there's a really nice hierarchy um, all the way down to sound segmenting and then sound blending. So always remembering that we go from one to the other. So if a child can um, tell you that dog is d-a-g, can they also hear when you're saying, what is this word, mm. d-a-g, can they put it together? Yes. Mm -hmm.
2: It's fascinating. So our children who are coming to us at
1: four and five years old,
2: they'll have some of these skills perhaps already?
1: At the shallow end. Yes. Um, And sometimes some first-year kindergarten students just because of exposure at home and because it's included in some of the activities mm-hmm. that families do with them, they will have well-developed phonological awareness mm-hmm. skills or mm-hmm. hearsay skills. Yes. But a lot of children will not. So you always, you're, in first year kindergarten, you're most concerned at the syllable level. And then as you're moving into the second year of kindergarten, you want to be able to um, have that onset and rhyme and then moving into the individual sound.
2: So, Nancy, what happens then if there's gaps in this learning, we just haven't had experiences, maybe a child was ill, something something impeded their ability to sort of have rich experiences with this. How would we see impact in higher grades?
1: Well, I think it directly, because this hearsay skill has to partner with phonics, mm. Um, we will really see it in their reading. They will not be able to move forward in their reading. So this is a skill that really supports reading development, at least the decoding part of it, not so much the comprehension Mm -hmm. because that's all those, that vocabulary and sentence Mm -hmm. structure and and all of those things we talked about earlier, that impacts comprehension, but the decoding for reading and the encoding for writing is what phonological awareness supports. It's very, it's integral, and without it, um, children may focus on learning all the popcorn words in the classroom, and they may commit them to memory, but when they are having to write or to read, a word that doesn't fall into that popcorn category, um, they don't have those skills, they are not able to do it. So we are seeing that it really makes a difference when children can hear the sounds in words Mm -hmm. and when they then have that to partner with a good phonics system where they've learned that that's the letter and that's the sound the letter makes, then they become good decoders. And if you look at any literature, Phonological awareness is one of the base and core um, pillars of decoding for the early grades, and for the later grades as well. Incredible, amazing. So we have a lot of resources in our department about phonological awareness, so this has just been a little, um, quick little summary and introduction but I really want to encourage um, educators who are interested in in this topic because it's very important mm-hmm. to connect with their speech-language pathologist on next steps or or looking at how can I determine what phonological awareness activities are needed for each student
0: mm-hmm. and how you can embed them within your classroom right. throughout your routines of the day and to, to build those rich skills that are so important Of getting students to read. Right, Right. so what I hear you saying Amanda is
2: that it's not really an add-on in the work. It's just being more intentional in the words that we're saying and that we can step into this and when we have a richer understanding then we're able to those pieces and and move our kids I think
1: it's been the missing piece. I think as educators um, in a school system, we really get the phonics piece, Mm -hmm. Um, we get the popcorn words, Mm -hmm. and sometimes we even teach kids rules. A lot of times we teach kids rules, like, oh, that quiet E at the end, what Mm -hmm. what does it do Mm -hmm. to the vowel? But I think that um, we've missed the phonological awareness, hearsay, hearsay skill. Um, And so, Children are limping along and they can't sustain their reading, their novel reading with children who don't have that skill. Um, they, we see them in grade three and grade four and they're not moving forward and they can't continue their learning. And when we go back and look at what's going on, they don't have any phonological awareness skills. They really can't hear the order of sounds in words and so, like, how can they decode them? How can they write them?
2: Absolutely incredible, and it just invites so many ideas of of pausing, reading text, and and really talking about words and and all of those fun sounds. Yes, and
1: I would I would say that one of the things I see um, and that I see it in text that people are doing it, but I always like to turn the book over and say the word that mm. because when. Children will default to the visual because that's what we've been teaching them, right? Mm -hmm. So when we pause for a word and we're reading a book or we're doing something and you're pulling that word out of the text, you're flipping the book over and say, I heard the word and then you're saying the word, and then you're doing whatever level of phonological awareness activity that you're working on at that moment, then you're doing it without the print to develop those skills. We mm-hmm. want to put We're it back, we, d- do not get me wrong, we want to put it back with print at one mm-hmm. time because mm-hmm. that's how it really works for decoding. Mm-hmm. So phonological awareness plus phonics equals um, decoding, right, and it's the phoneme awareness that that later skill that we talked about um that really is supportive of of decoding so big right and, it's and, huge and it's so huge and we've just scratched the surface here i think yes. we need to um revisit this and Absolutely. and and do it um, over and over again to really get the uh, really understand the fullness of this
2: and i think that this is why we wanted to have you here for this podcast today nancy because it's really just an invitation to remember that there's pieces and maybe I just wanna learn a little bit more about this today and then I'm gonna move forward into that and it really helps to, um, you know, help me understand what it is that's happening with my youngest learners.
0: Yes, and I think it's so important to have those those aha moments when we're listening to this and realizing there are some missing pieces within my program and I can embed so much learning throughout the day And having those aha moments as an educator and thinking about myself and how I want to grow as an educator in the classroom. It's been a, a great yeah.
1: conversation. Yeah, and I think the key points, the key takeaway here is the hearsay skills don't have print involved yep. and the say do and, to, and then later on they're going to go together yep. because we need them to support each other in decoding um, but that we really have to develop those hearsay skills in children so that they can move forward with their reading successfully.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for all of your knowledge. It's been I was taking notes as you were talking, and I can go back and re-listen to this, and I'm so excited to have all this extra knowledge and to have you walk us through all this amazing information. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nancy. Thank you
1: for inviting me. It's been a pleasure, and um, I hope that uh, we will do this again. Yes,
0: definitely. Thank you. Thank you.